Hello and welcome, Friartown. Today is December 31st, and we are going to be joined by the founder and creator of FriarBasketball.com, Kevin Farahar. I am Billy Ritchie, and this is the Friar Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Friar Podcast. We hope everybody enjoyed their holidays, whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa, or if you're a Festivus guy, like our producer, uh, producer Mike. He, he's a huge, he's a huge Festivus guy. We wanted to shout him out. He's taking a little bit of time off right now. But in terms of where we're at right now, we're here with a very special guest here on episode five of the Friar Podcast. And we couldn't be more excited to be joined by the creator of FriarBasketball.com, Kevin Farahar. He is a class of 2001 alum at Providence College. He's a local guy, and he's been a longtime Friar supporter. Shout out to also the Craigs, Craig Bellhumer and Craig Layden, and, and Kyle as well from Friar TV on their staff. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome our special guest here today, Kevin Farahar. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Looking forward to it. I've been a big fan so far of the pod, so I'm excited to be here. That's great, my man. And we're very happy to have you. And as I mentioned to you, uh, we got to get it kicked off as we do here on every Friar podcast. What is your favorite Rhode Island restaurant? My favorite? Um, I'm a big Federal Hill guy. So probably my standbys are always Andino's or Castorino's. So those are probably my top two. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Castorino's guy myself. I think it's the probably the best value in the city. My mom comes from Federal Hill, so I feel like I have a little bit of knowledge in that game there. So, And the other guests have certainly brought up those two, so you're right on the mark there. Yeah, we used to go a lot. So Craig Layton actually lived in Federal Hill for quite a while, so we used to always hit up Federal Hill before or after games. It was a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah. And you know, you're a New England guy yourself. You attended PC, as I mentioned, and would love to know how you started becoming a Friar fan, where you grew up, how Providence basketball became so special to you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I grew up, in, it was a great time to grow up as a basketball fan. So I grew up just north of Boston in the 80s. So the first games I remember watching were the Celtics in the mid 80s. I think the first game I ever remembered watching was when Jordan scored 63 on the Celts. We watched it. This is how old I am. We watched it on a, uh, a black and white TV on my family's porch outside. And I remember, you know, there was no better way to get introduced to the game than the Celtics. And then the Big East was so huge at the time. So I used to love I mean, basically almost every Big East team, I was never a BC guy, uh, but basically every other team I just loved in that conference. So kind of grew up in the Celtics and grew up watching the Big East. And then my first kind of introduction to the PC Providence kind of hoops scene or world was the NCAA tournament in 1989. So that was the year um, Alonzo Morning was a freshman in Georgetown. We went to the tournament in the second round. The first round, that was the year that Princeton had almost knocked out Georgetown in the first round. So we had tickets for the second round. Um, so that was the big famous game at the time that Princeton-Georgetown game that everyone remembers. But the two we saw were great because Alonzo Mourning was there. They played Notre Dame. So Mourning was a freshman and LaFonso Ellis was a freshman. They were these two big, like probably top five, you know, big men coming out of high school the year before. And the Hoyas had a – they were the number one seed. They were a great team. And then we had um, NC State and Iowa, and that went to double overtime. So that was a great game. And then – as far as kind of when I turned the corner as being a PC fan, I, you know, I used to love Eric Murdoch. I liked all the teams in the nineties, but I, I grew up actually a Georgetown fan. When I went to that, I saw them in 89 and that was my team. And then my sister went to Georgetown in 93. So she was there when Iverson was there. And um, that was such a fun time to watch. And then I went to PC in the fall of 97. So just after they made the elite eight. So you talk about kind of bad timing. I, I went, I just missed the elite eight run. So we all got in our acceptance letters, either, 
either when they'd beaten Duke or beaten Arizona, everyone got their acceptance letter. So we we're like, this is amazing. And then, um, you know, um, so that's basically when it started for me in the fall of 97. Love it. And yeah, I mean, the old Big East was just, it was a brand. It, you know, everybody supported every team and, it, you know, the national TV coverage, you know, your your players like your Alonzo Mornings, your Allen Iversons, your Patrick Ewings, like they were transcendent players. So certain, certainly no no shame or no harm in rooting for those teams. They were all great. And, you know, we we miss that style of play in, in the Big East currently today. But um, in terms of... Yeah, it was physical. Absolutely. It was just a different, it was just a different brand of basketball. And in, in terms of, you know, being a fan and then joining or starting your own brand within the media, I'm doing it right now. And it, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting transition, I would say. And, you know, we talk about it in professional sports where players go to being, you know, members of the front office or like, like in our case, fans becoming members of the media. Can you tell us what it's been like to, you know, kind of transition you, your thoughts of being a fan to, you know, providing content for fans? Yeah, I think it's something I give a lot of thought about when I started just because there's really one of two ways you can go. Or at least that's how I looked at it initially. Like there is the kind of what Bill Simmons started. Now you're seeing more like Barstool where you're openly rooting for your team or you're going to be kind of more the I'm going to separate myself from being a fan and just cover the team. And I think that's when you're starting, especially, you know, you'll you'll see it more that like you kind of evolve in how you cover things and your approach. And for me, I initially was trying to separate being a fan and then. One thing that was really interesting for me, I remember Bob Ryan was talking and all these sports journalists kind of say, oh, I'm not a fan. I don't root for the teams. And Bob Ryan, who's the great basketball writer for the Globe, he said the complete opposite. He's like, no, I'm a fan of the team. He's like, I'm invested. And he's like, and because of that, I held them a lot more accountable than someone else might be. And I was like, that's a really good way of looking at it. Like, you don't have to deny that you are rooting for the home team. But that being said, you don't have to be a complete homer. So I think I've tried to, obviously, our site's called firebasketball.com. We went to PC. So there's, you know. We're supporters of the program, but I don't think that means you have to be a blind homer who ignores everything, right? So I think for me, I kind of knew to be that kind of like Jerry Carabas, Bill Simmons, you know, fan writer, like that takes a lot of talent. A lot of people try and do it. And it's not easy. And if you do it in a way that's unoriginal, it's not, I don't know. I think it kind of comes off uh, amateurish. Um, but that being said, I, I think you can write from almost like a fan perspective, but not being blindly loyal to the team you can write about you know where things are falling short because you care to me i think i'd rather read someone who is a fan of the team who's invested in them versus someone who's a third party who's you know just kind of covering it to to cover it i don't know if that that makes sense but that's kind of my approach we talked about previously you know just just the level of knowledge and you know how much fire basketball we've watched and you know all these experiences we've gone through it you know it, it provides a level of content and clarity to to fans to give back and and I believe you guys do a great job of that and you were professional from day one I was going off to PC in 2010 and I remember you know from day one realizing that where I was going to get a lot of my content was firebasketball.com so um Take me back to that time. Take me back to 2009, 2010, where you're just getting this thing off the ground. You know, it's a blog, it's a website. You're just trying to find your space in the Friar Media uh, zone. You know, tell us about how everything came together for you guys initially. Yeah. So it really evolved. I mean, for me initially, like right out of school, I wanted to write for a newspaper. And I had a couple opportunities that being kind of short sighted in 22, I actually had two opportunities to get jobs at newspapers, either in Rhode Island or there's another one in Southern. Um, mass that I had turned down. I had an opportunity to meet with the editors of the sports editors of the Boston Herald. And 
I remember at the time you're you're 22 and you're kind of short sighted and you're like, oh god, if I have to put in six or seven years, kind of grinding away doing a high school beat or whatever, I'll be 28. And you feel like when you're 22, that feels like really old. And I want to be established and you know I need to be making money. So I think for a while, like I, yeah, at that point, like early early out of school, I kind of pushed that you know dream to the side and figured I'd go in a different direction career wise. But I still always had that kind of itch to write. Um, so I I'd done some kind of freelance things covering the Celtics for different websites. I written a couple of articles for Rich Corn at, at Scout, um, not a ton, probably a handful of articles. Um, he had the, his Friar Insider thing, the Projo for a while, and then he had it at um, Rivals and in Scout. And I think I did him just for, I don't think I wrote when he was at Rivals, but for Scout. Um, but anyway, so I, I kind of always had that itch to write. And I, PC was one thing I felt like I really knew well and covered you know, or, or watched so closely. And I, um, you know, I didn't want to write something though or come up with something just to write what was already out there. Like I felt like K Mac was already covering it, like Richard Core and their crew kind of had like the internet side cover. So I was like, I don't wanna I didn't want to come up with something just for the sake of, you know, having a different another voice. I would do something different. And for me, I finally found my angle. I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'll cover PC, but I'll cover a lot of New England recruiting. Right. So <laughs> for me, that's where I was like, that's where I can make a dent. And it, it worked out pretty well at the time for me because when I started was Keno Davis's second year. And they were coming off that first year where they weren't, you know, they weren't bad. I think they won, they won like 18 games or something his first year. Yeah. And then this, the year I started, the wheels kind of fell off, which it, it, it sounds funny to say, but it actually worked out better for me because everyone's kind of looking towards the future, right? So the, the focus is strictly on recruiting. And I was out there at the time. I had no kids. I wasn't married. I was going to every tournament you could think of. And I had a really good sense of like everyone in New England. I knew all the players and, you know, and when people kind of, they're still passionate with the team, but they want to, you know, there's nothing to really cheer for on the floor. They're looking at what's next. And at the time, if you remember, Pat, Pat Scary was their really good recruiting assistant at the time. He had them in with all these great New England recruits. So mm-hmm. um, in a weird way, that that kind of helped me. So that's where I got started. And then once I got more of a following, I kind of did more of the kind of, you know, on-court stuff for the Friars versus just covering recruiting. And it kind of grew from there. And then, of course, when Cooley came, the on-court product really took off. And that's where, you know, we kind of followed where the stories were. Yeah. And I could tell you in any sort of PC group chat or, you know, a group of guys or girls that are big fans of the team, they're always talking about recruiting. It's always who's next up in college basketball. And, and as the quote, you know, you got to stay, you got to stay old. You got to stay senior. You got to make sure that you have a good group of veterans so you don't fall to the bottom of the Big East table. So I think your approach of going to recruiting was great sort of niche to get yourself involved with since day one, because it's just such an important part of college athletics. And we get so excited about it. I remember the recruits you don't get, like your Nerlens know well or you know your local guy that chooses UConn instead of PC or if you're Jim Calhoun you certainly remember that uh, Ryan Gomes commits to PC and he doesn't commit to UConn but I I think that was a great idea for you guys to get started with and let's talk about the expansion next let's talk about adding the Craigs we got Craig Bell humor uh, PC class of 2010 came on in 2011 and you have Craig Layton longtime supporter of the team and came on in 2013-14 tell me about what they brought to the table yeah so it was getting to the point where and my approach is different now but like I was the more following I got, the more I felt like I wanted to provide for people. So I actually met Craig Bellhumor. I think he had just graduated from PC. So there was a group, I don't know if you remember, Dickie Simpkins and Sean Hawley had started kind of an alumni group called the Providence Full Court Boardroom at the time. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I met Craig through one of their events. And, you know, we just got to talking and, um, 
one thing led to another. And, you know, Craig had done some, I think when he was at PC, he had done some stuff for the Friar Faithful or whatever the support group is there. now. I always forget what they're called. He had kind of redesigned their website and he had talked about, because at the time I was using like Blogger. And for me, I'm at the time, I'm strictly a writer. I'm not involved in like web design. I have no idea and no interest, to be honest. Like yeah. I'd love to have the platform set up where I can just write. So, you know, kind of got talking to Craig and and he he got involved probably 2011 so I've been around for like two years and he um he redesigned the whole site and the thing that I thought Craig did really well I'll get to Craig Layton as well I, I think the two of them kind of complimented what I did well like I'm a huge introvert like I don't I keep a low profile I don't have my picture out on Twitter or anything and Craig was really good like he redesigned the whole site in a way that I couldn't and he was really into that and he was really good at building our following on Facebook and different things like that. But he did things that, you know, all these different podcast guests and he would always, you know, grab a player after a game for an interview and kind of add like a different dynamic to the site that we didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, having Craig there in that regard was awesome. And then Craig Layton, I had known, I mean, he's sicker than I am when it comes to recruiting. Like he is all over it. And he, I met him, I think a couple of times at different prep tournaments and, um, I, you know, I think I just talked to him about seeing if he wanted to become part of what we did really. And what I, what I, Appreciate about Craig was not just the recruiting, but he had a really good historical knowledge of the program. And he's been a fan, not just a fan, but, you know, since the late 60s, he's followed them. And and he lives and dies. You'll never meet a bigger fan. You'll never meet a nicer person than Craig. So I was like, this is just an awesome guy who I enjoy being around. And when he came, he's like, oh, you know, I'm not a writer. I said, don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry about the writing. I just want your your insight, your knowledge. We can kind of clean up whatever. And um, he's he's just been awesome. He's the nicest man. And he um, he's the biggest PC fan you'll ever meet. So he um, yeah, he he's a full on. He admits he's a huge homer and he, he kind of writes from that perspective. But he's been he's been great. So I think Craig came on in probably 2013 as well. Well, it's the perfect segue, you know, talking about Craig. I think a lot of us in the Friar community, we we have always looked forward to the starting five of, you know, links, updates, headlines that you guys provide on FriarBasketball.com. It's been a great thing, even if you're just on the run, trying to grab a cup of coffee at Dunkin' or something, and, you know, you want to get your Friar news right on the run, have loved the starting five. So shout out to Craig there. We talked about the recruiting. Would love to just kind of expand on how you guys built this. You know, it takes persistence, grit, and it takes times where things maybe aren't clicking and you you pivot and you move to other things. You know, that's the basis of starting a business or starting a personal brand. And now you guys have over 1 million page views a year. So can you talk about like some of the different things you've had to pivot on and things you've had to work through to get to your success level? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is what's hard is it's a real, it's more of a grind than people think. You know, like it's, and that's why this year I've stepped back a little bit. It's been kind of nice. I'd, I'd watch every game thinking like, you know, I'm not just watching the game. I'm thinking what the, what's the angle I'm going to write about, you know? So I think for a long time, like that was, you know, I'm not, I was crazy but from like 2014 to 16. Like I was like obsessed with churning out content and what's the site going to be. But I think the big thing for us is we really always talked about how we can evolve and kind of, you know, um, add new dimensions. And that came with, you know, adding Craig B and Craig L in a couple of consecutive years and then having podcasts and we really tried to ramp up our video stuff. So now we have Kyle on there as well, who people know as um, Fire TV, who's been a lifesaver for a lot of people. So I got to know mm-hmm. him just from, you know, from the years of kind of his website. And he's actually a huge recruiting guy, too. So I've met Kyle a couple of times at different recruiting things. Um, but yeah, for us, it's really just been about and, you know, people always you know, when I think about the future, like I really, I take after each season, I kind of step back and say, okay, am I still enjoying this? And are we doing something that's, 
not there otherwise, you know, and I, I think once I feel like what, what we're doing is being done elsewhere, I'll just stop. But I really reassess every, every year, like how much I'm enjoying it, how much of an impact we're making and, you know, kind of reassess what we can change. And I think more recently, you know, I think the one thing I want to change going forward is, you know, I, I still want to build it. I feel like we were always kind of for years kind of building on something that wasn't there before. And um, more recently, I'm like, okay, I feel like it's been more status quo. So that's the one thing I kind of want to see us evolve into is, you know, how we can kind of build it even more so. Absolutely. And I think from the fans perspective of me just coming into PC, having to be a big part of my content and my news feed of Friar News that you guys were you guys were very genuine with it. And and you guys were not about your own personal success. You were about creating something for the Friar community bigger than yourself. So certainly appreciate that. And I remember your announcement that you're just in a different portion of your life right now. And that the content and the, and the site's going to be a little bit different. But why don't you talk about your favorite thing that you've worked on for FriarBasketball.com? As I know, you've written some pretty amazing pieces. Yeah, I mean, anything that I can kind of get to meet some of the players, like you're doing now. I, I think that's, everyone's seen the games. Like the recaps are kind of a necessary evil. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting away from that a little bit. Like anytime I'm running a game recap, you know, they're, it's fine. But I think once you can get to meet people and find out their stories, they're probably my favorite was... Almost two years ago, I'd written an article on the 2014 team. And I really went really deep into it. I, I interviewed Bryce Cotton. He was in Australia. So there's a lot of coordination there with Bryce. And he was great about making it work, you know, with his schedule. I think it was like, I mean, it was like 6.45 a.m. our time and you know, probably 6.45 p.m. theirs. And him and, and Kadeem Bat. So we got to know, you know, Kadeem pretty well because Craig used to interview Kadeem all the time. And we used to interview Bryce a lot. And I think it kind of helps to some of that goodwill built up a little bit too, or we had done, you know, highlight reels of them when they were at PC and really when they were there too, we were churning out a ton of content. So, um, you know, that was pretty neat to kind of reconnect with those guys. And that was the one thing for me, it was a really special run. Like my, my dad had just died like in the midst of that season. So there was a while where I thought, yeah, I'm not even good. I'm all, I don't want to go back to the dunk. But last time I saw him was at a PC game and I had a lot of emotions about, you know, going back there, he died and, mid-February and I came back if you remember that that double overtime Marquette game they won mm-hmm. on nights that was my first game going back to the dunk and um you know so I, but I really want to do a, kind of you know I I just love that team I, I really wanted to I thought that Bryce and Kadeem had been through so much at PC from the keynote transition to like getting the team to where they were that I really wanted to be able to kind of finish things out with them and, and make sure I covered it right and Little did I know they'd win the Big East and have that great game against North Carolina. So that article um, was just a lot of fun to do. I, was, I pulled a lot of video too, so there's a lot of you know, kind of video content in there. So that's probably my favorite thing that I've done. I always talk about how big of an impact fire basketball makes on our lives that we don't even we don't even realize. It's just it's just something that brings people together of different backgrounds, you know, going through different things like you mentioned, and can just kind of put things away and just bring you something again that we talked about is just much bigger than our than ourselves. It's an amazing part of the Providence community. Yeah, it's funny my wife will I'll know random people. She's like, how do you know this guy? I'm like, oh, from a message board or Twitter. She's like, okay, yeah, that's weird. But I'm like, no, no, <laughs> we just love PC. It is, you know, I, I think once you're kind of immersed in this world, you, you get a little bit more. But um, yeah, I made a ton of friends just from having the website or being on Twitter or, you know, and people who just have this shared passion, which is great. 
It's like, it's like a family. Like gr- growing up in the Rhode Island areas I have, like it's so small. If you go to a restaurant, y- you're probably going to get, like, if you're like me, you're probably going to get up like five times during dinner and say hi to somebody, you know, give the double cheek kiss if you're Italian. And I, I compare the Friar basketball family to the, to the same thing. You know, you see the same people at the games and it's just great to hear how through building this site that you've made lifelong friends and have, you know, been able to build relationships that have just been special outside of, you know, your normal day to day. Yeah, Bill, I've got a quick story. I did want to share. I just thought of this too. So speaking of that year, um, so what was really cool, like Dickie Simpkins, I probably met two or three times before. Mm-hmm. And after my dad had passed away, he actually had, you know, the day after, he sent me a text saying how sorry he was. And it was really kind of touching because I, you know, I, I knew him a little bit from different alumni events. I interviewed him once, but um, that's the kind of thing with the PC community. They, they kind of rally around you a lot, even if they're people that you know kind of on the periphery. So that that meant a lot as well. I, I did kind of want to acknowledge that as well. I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that. I mean, Dickie does a great job on FS1 when, when he was covering Friars games. Like, oh, I love, absolutely, absolutely love that. That was like a home home court advantage through the announcer, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's a good guy. No, he, he's done some great work. Obviously, you know, shout out to Andy Katz too. He, he shows a lot of love to, to Providence and yeah. John Fanta as well. Uh, love, love the work that they did on the most recent broadcast this past weekend and transitioning in terms of media the pc media landscape as we talked about has changed you know it's not the same sort of you know sunday morning pro joe paper showing up through the paper boy and you know it's even changing from what we knew it to be five years ago if you wouldn't mind talking about how the media landscape is changing and you know what you see the future of it becoming yeah i mean even from whatever six months ago it's changing with kevin mcnamara leaving the pro joe and i thought that was and i wrote about a little bit but he um you know, I feel like I'm so glad he's starting his own site and I'm contributing to that because I, I want to see it, you know, be a success. And he, um, you know, he kind of feels him and Brendan McGarry are great. You know, I, both are really nice guys and really great at what they do. And I was so glad to see him come back um, because I really feel like so much of what we all write about and talk about is built off of Kevin's reporting, you know, about different recruits or things like that. And I think a lot of times a lot of us are piecing together, you know, things about recruiting or understanding the program based on, you know, things secondhand sometimes, but I feel like he's been a real kind of anchor for the beat. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's changing. It's changing a ton. I mean, I, I guess more specifically, I shouldn't say it's changing a ton, but I think the Projo was such a, that was kind of like the resource for a while, right? And I, I think it's going to change a little bit now where people are going to kind of, that audience might shift a little more to what Kevin is doing mm-hmm. and same thing for Brendan. And then I think kind of what we do, I look at us as kind of more complimenting a lot of those those websites. And then there's people like Mike Hopkins. There's a lot of people out there who are doing a lot of good work as well. But um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, you know, I, I, again, I, I'm just glad to see Kevin coming back. Absolutely. And no, I think it does. and. And okay. in terms of like, look, look at look at me, for example, you know, going to PC in 2010, and we're talking about the Ed Cooley hire. I'm looking it up on FriarBasketball.com. We're talking about the Big East Championship. I remember, you know, the LaDante shot being covered on FriarBasketball.com when Chris and Ricky uh, announced their big on ESPN, like moment of, of <laughs> high level recruiting that actually never happened. Uh, unfortunately, shout out to Ricky. I went to high school with him. So I, those types of moments to me didn't come through traditional print media. And yeah. and I think it's only a matter of time before, you know, Instagram Live and Twitch and, you know, all these different programs sort of come into play of like live video and live streaming and different things like that. You know, as we continue to expand and look into different options is people just don't have a lot of time nowadays. It's, you know, it's quick bites of information. Yeah. And that's been, and that's why I love what you're doing, honestly. And that's why I was excited to come on here. I feel like 
I always like, and I feel like the direction of where things are going, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier as far as what I try and do in my site, but I love what you're doing because it's just, a, it's just different. You know, I think there are, and I'm not, I, you know, there, there's a lot of podcasts out there now. I don't listen to a ton, mm-hmm. um, but I like that yours is kind of finding out people's stories versus just recapping what happened in the game. And I think when we talk about the future and where it's going, it's going to be those people who kind of find a different way to give information because we've all seen the games. We all have our opinion on it. And that's when I talk about when I had first started, I was like, why, why would anyone read my site? It's just one random guy's opinion. And that's why I tried to find a niche with the new England recruiting stuff. And I feel like that's what you're doing now. I'm really hoping you stick with it and you get some good guests on there. Cause I think it's really going to blow up. So you're doing a great job. I appreciate that. And it's all about the stories. And we looked at the last episode with Brian McKenzie, you know, as we talked about just hearing his, you know, journey from high level New York, New York championship level basketball to coming to PC to having a couple coaches to, you know, beating number one pit. Those are things that like, I, you know, I personally like, yes, I, I played middle school CYO basketball. It was great, but I can't provide those sort of, sort of insights. And, and, and he, and he can, and, and, and those players deserve a platform because we have a rabid fan base of people who like me can never get enough of this team and they deserve those players deserve and these people deserve a platform where people can just come on and tell their stories. So I know I appreciate all your support and transitioning to the Friars of this year, like 2020, 2021. It's certainly been an interesting year. We've had games where we've shot 7% from three. We've had games where we haven't had that sort of defensive intensity that we're used to of the Providence Friars and Ed Cooley coach teams. We've had a lot of parody as we're going to discuss in terms of role players and different position players, but what, have, what do you think you've seen so far from this COVID-shortened 2020-2021 Providence Friar season so far? Yeah, it's it's so hard to judge. And I think the one thing I've kind of learned to do and hope for in these seasons is basically survive. And obviously this year, especially with COVID. But it's really like you just have to survive the first two months. Because how the team looks in February is so different than how it looks in December, November, or even early January. That I don't sweat things too much. Like right now, the defense looks like a mess, right? And I'm not... To me, I, I, I'm like assuming the season continues, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll speak as if it's going to be a regular year, which obviously it won't be, but, mm-hmm. um, just kind of generally, like I don't really sweat too much unless they have the killer losses. Like last year, I was like, come on. And they looked so disjointed and just off. And it was, to be honest, they weren't fun to watch last year until that, that run late. Yeah. Uh, so this year, to me, like I think the big thing is, you know, obviously David Duke is turning into a complete, superstar to beyond where I thought he'd be this year. And everyone's saying, Oh, he's got a huge breakout year. And I thought he'd be really good. I know he'd be this good. He's been awesome. Um, so that's my thing. You have, you know, him and Nate are kind of anchoring the offense and I kind of think they'll figure the rest of it out. Um, I like buying him more than most. I think people kind of, you know, I, yeah. to me, he's a point guard that kind of, you know, he's living in the paint and we really mm-hmm. haven't had as good as Pipkins was, late last year, you know, Cartwright did it, but the last two years, they haven't had a point guard who just gets in the paint and draws defenses like Bynum does. And mm-hmm. he has some flaws, but you know, I, uh, I like him, you know, so I think there's some pretty good pieces there. And I, for me, it's like, just get wins right now. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care that, you know, the DePaul game, the defense was leaking everywhere. I figure Cooley will figure that out. But, you know, that being said, I do think they're going to miss they missed Khalif big time on defense. I think he was so underrated. You know, people look yeah. at like whatever, four points and four rebounds, but his defense was awesome. And you really can't, it's hard to replicate that. As good as Nate is on offense, I just think Khalif was equally good on defense. So that's probably my biggest concern for these guys. Um, so I don't know. What do you think so far? So I would say you look at a game like TCU and, 
and we just look like an athletic, you know, powerhouse, bigger than you, going to get after it, harder than you type of team. And, you know, then we have games against Butler where we just come out and we can't make open shots. So it, it, it's certainly a little been a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde in terms of, you know, what sort of product we're going to get on, on the, uh, on the floor on any given night. I mean, I love the athlete. I, I love the athleticism. Obviously I love the emergence of David Duke. Nate Watson last year, unfortunately due to injury, wasn't himself. And it's just great to see him having fun out there and, you know, being one of those impact, if not most improved players in college basketball. And then to me, it just comes down to the supporting cast. Like I look at Jared Bynum, like a junior Lamamba. It's like, he needs to be a glue guy. Like he needs to be that guy who makes winning plays, gets to the basket. Like he has a decent handle to get to the basket. Like you yeah. mentioned, he, he, he does. He, for a little guy, he can, he can get in there. So I'm excited to see him do that a little bit more. Uh, Jimmy Nichols, I mean, very efficient offensively recently. Like that, it's been understated, huh? Yeah, I, I, had it, I forget what the numbers are now, but like inside the three point arc, he's, he's like 14 of 19 in shooting, he hasn't missed a free throw because his first year, and I know there's nerves there, and he was young. I think he was barely 18 when he came here, but mm-hmm. um, you know, he shot like 30 something percent of the free throw line. He's just been so much better um, offensively. Um, it'll be interesting. To see. I know he was hurt a little bit, so you wonder. Someone made a good point about this. I forget where I read it, maybe on Twitter or somewhere, that he missed the first game, so maybe his wind isn't there yet. But um, I think he could be a really good piece. Um, and I wasn't – he was kind of a secondary thought for me. Like, I was really excited to see where Greg Gant was. There was a lot of guys. I wanted to see how AJ kind of progressed. But, yeah, Jimmy's been a really nice surprise. And speaking about AJ, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of AJ Reeves. I think he has – I remember I, I was in an elevator at at the dunk with a, um, a photographer from Slam, and I said, "Of this roster, it was a couple of years back." It's like, who do you think is going to get drafted? And he was like, "AJ Reeves. Like he's got the body. You know, he can shoot. Uh, you know, he could do a lot of things." And I'm still very, I'm still very excited about about his ceiling. Like I think that he ha- his ga- best games are ahead of him for the Providence Friars, and you know we've seen him make back-to-back shots to extend to overtime and you know come in the clutch when we need him and it's just like for me watching during the game him taking a three-pointer you know from the corner or or you know from one of the elbows or or the the top of the three-point line which he takes one dribble and then he shoots the shot it's like is that the most efficient way to use him almost so you you had a couple tweets about him I'd, i'd be curious to know what you think about how we use him in the offense and you know his his trajectory for the rest of the year yeah i've i mean so i've been following aj and i admit i'm not I'm not unbiased when it comes to him. I, I love the guy. I've, I've been watching him since he was a freshman at Bremer in May, and I've got a chance to interview him, and he's, he's the nicest kid. So I think the thing that's been disappointing for me is when he first came, and I wrote about this early in the year, you know, Cooley had said the biggest media day, oh, he's like Paul Pierce. You know, he can, he can score in so many different ways. So that's been the one thing that I feel like he's been – somewhat relegated to the Jalen Lindsay spot up shooter role. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, and we saw him get downhill a little bit, you know, in the um DePaul game where he tried to dunk on like three guys. And I think he has more of an offensive game than he's been able to kind of display. And I, I fully admit, you know, I'm not an X's and O's guy. If Ed Cooley were here right now, I'd be like, okay, well, how should I go about doing it? I don't know how to go about doing that, but I know like what I've seen from the guy and he can put the ball on the deck. He can hit little floaters. Like, and even his freshman year, you saw him do it a little bit more. So I, I think, it's really hard for a guy who's struggling and, and either Andy Katz or Fanta mentioned this in the podcast to just keep shooting your way out of it. Right. Like we saw that. I remember Donnie McGrath. I don't know if you're too young for Donnie, but Donnie McGrath. I remember Donnie. Okay. So he had a terrible shooting slump. I think his sophomore year, one of sophomore or junior. I mean, for games that went on and on and on. And he was a guy who really, he was kind of more like he wasn't going to beat you at the dribble much. Right. And I feel like, it's really hard to snap out of those slumps. You're not getting anything inside the paint. 
And that's the thing with AJ. I, I was kind of hoping this year he'd be used more as like an all-around scorer than a spot-up shooter. Um, so that's my hope for him. I just think with his misses, he's he's rushing big time too. I think he's trying to find his role in the offense a little bit. So he's taking these kind of quick fire threes where it's contested or he's just a little bit rushed. And it's not like when he's missing, he's, you know, hitting the side of the backboard. He's either like front rimming or rimming shots out. So I'm hopeful he'll get there, you know, and I thought the last game was a big step forward, but they got to find a way to get him involved more like, you know, cause he flashed that mid range game a little bit in the first game. He did a little bit last year. So yeah, uh, he's got to be a big piece. And I just think it's got to be beyond just shooting, you know, like the other day, what was like one for 10 from three? It's like, there's got to be a different way to get that guy involved. Absolutely. And, and to me, you know, when I think about this year, I, I feel for Ed, he has a lot of parody when he brings in different guys into the lineup. It's like, there's a lot of depth on this team. There's a lot of people to keep happy. And and if, if they come in and they miss a few shots, you know, like in the Butler game, you know, what do you, what do you do? You're trying to give the guy an opportunity. You get open shots, you draw up the right plays and then it, you know, it doesn't work, but it's not a perfect science. That's basketball. You, you're not going to make, you know, every single shot and score, you know, 120 points every game. So there's a lot of parody that he has to deal with and would be curious to see if Chris Monroe gives us anything as we go through the rest of the season. I obviously, we know Noah, Noah Horkler starting, but he hasn't really had the biggest impact and he seems a little uneasy in, in Big East play in terms of, you know, going from a North Florida type of school to, uh, to Big East play. So I'd be curious to see what we get from, from Noah, from Chris Monroe, from Jimmy Nichols. And and obviously, we, I haven't really talked about Greg Gant. Greg Gant, I mean, I think he has all the tools and he does so many little things, so yeah. many little things that are that are just, you know, imperative to winning. So just want to see, you know, how he expands his role as he goes in through the rest of the sophomore season. Yeah, Gant, I feel like he's he's had his shot selection has been pretty bad the last couple of games. You know, I, he hit the, a couple of threes early in the year, but I feel like he's taken a couple – Really quick 30s. I was like, ooh, that can't be what they were looking for. And I think Horkler, the big thing is his defense has just been bad. I think if he can stay in front of anybody, he'll play a lot because he actually rebounds really well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's hit a couple of face up threes, so he can play. It's just, it's going to offensively, he can play. It's just a matter of if he can defend at all because that's been the big thing for him. I feel like he's been pretty, pretty bad on D. But, um, you know, I think the one thing Cooley that's easier for Cooley this year is there's much more of a pecking order. Like last year, <laughs> They had a lot more mouths to feed as far as like experienced guy. You had the, all the seniors. Then you had Duke and AJ who were sophomores. You had, mm-hmm. you had Nate. You know, it was kind of Elfa's team. Then Pipkins was trying to figure out his role. I feel like this year you do have more of a pecking order where, like, to me, there's a clear top three. True. And then everyone else kind of has to fit in behind them, which is a little bit easier than it was last year. But to your point, you know, roles kind of, you know, what, five through ten in this roster are kind of – it's a, it's a, there's no clear cut like okay this is you know like even like Bryson Goodine like we haven't talked about him at all like I was literally I, just gonna say that <laughs> yeah I thought he was I saw him a lot in high school and I was like well they got him I was like oh god this guy's re-, and he was he was really good in high school yeah and he was um like they played I saw him play David Duke's last game at Cushing he played against Bryson was teammates with Cole Swider in St Andrews and yeah he was the best player on the floor he he could really shoot and score so um. Yeah, I don't know if it's just, you know, getting adjusted to the system thing or what, but um I I expected him to play more coming to the year, but it seems like right now he might be a little bit of the odd man out, so we'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, obviously local kid. We're rooting for him there. Uh yeah. certainly remember the St. Andrews days. He has bounced. Seems like he can shoot. Um yeah, you know, right. maybe it's just a year in which he takes a little time to get used to the program and continue to um grow as a basketball player and see what he can provide next year. I mean, this year has been topsy turvy anyway, so <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've noticed it too. It seems like physically he's not 
maybe he hasn't been in the you know the PC workout regime with Kenny White as much as the others. He seems slighter, like shoulders, and maybe that's you know maybe he's just not physically where some of the other guys are. I don't know if you've noticed that too, but I think he looks kind of more slight than some of the other guys that are playing. Absolutely, absolutely. Like our our team, like f- physically, like our our one through five, like most years, you're like, wow, I. I I'm- if I was an opposing uh, offense, I would be uh, a little scared to to drive. Yeah. <laughs> so shout exactly. out Coach White. He's doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, transitioning back to Ed. Yeah. Ed Ed is just, you know, an absolute cornerstone. I obviously am extremely biased there. But in, in terms of, you know, you started with Keno very briefly as you started the site. And then you moved to Ed. And then you had five straight NCAA tournament appearances. So many different memories and so many great things to talk about on the site. Can you kind of quantify what Ed means to this program and, you know, what he's meant as you have grown, you know, your, your website, uh, you know, as as he's, as he's come along. Yeah. I mean, for us, obviously, I mean, we're, I completely recognize that the success of what you're doing, what I'm doing is contingent upon the success of the team. Like I mentioned earlier that, you know, I was getting a lot of eyeballs early on because I was covering New England recruiting because on court product was bad, but you know, that only lasts you so long. Whereas with Cooley, I mean, it's completely changed everything. Um, and I think the the biggest thing with him, and honestly, this is even like, you know, Keno Davis reached out to me, you know, after my, I've been doing the site for like six months. It's, oh, I really like the site. You know, I tell people to read it. So I think across the board, like Pat's scary. These guys are pretty accessible. And, and Cooley, I mean, I'll talk more broadly about how he is, obviously, his impact of the program. But for us, like, he didn't have to. Like, we were starting out. And I mean, it was embarrassing looking back. The first time we had Craig try to interview him after they scrimmage someone, an alumni, I did it with my iPhone. He must have been like, who are these people? <laughs> so, you know, he did every game with us. He, you know, he'd do a full press conference. He, you know, his game plan, he coached all day, and he would still hop on camera with Craig after all those games. You know, every single, never said no, you know. And a lot of these coaches, you know, probably in a polite way, we would tell you like, it's not a great time. He did it every single time. And to the point where I was kind of like, okay, we need to like scale back a little bit. He's, you know, doesn't need to be doing this every single game, but he helped us so much in that way. And obviously I, you know, he means so much to the school, not just the program. And sometimes I feel like, I wonder sometimes if we ask too much of him, you know, because he's, he's so much more than a basketball coach here. He's almost like the face of the school and he's, Mm -hmm. he's PR. He's, I don't know. I, I feel like, that. you know, there are times where I'm like, God, I, I hope they don't burn him out because he's asked to do a lot, you know. And um, but obviously, I mean, the you have your qualms at times where the offense looks crummy and they this or that. But when you step back and you're like, OK, it's, you know, where to where they were. Like it's when I listen to your Brian McKenzie podcast and no disrespect to any guys who are playing then. It's just like you realize that, like the guys who came after Brian played in these much higher scale games and you know we would have killed like i was reading back i think looking back at something i'd written like they hadn't won a big east tournament game since like when they in 2014 they won it. i don't think they won a tournament game i think they'd won one tournament game since 2003 they beat like depaul in an opening round game like they hadn't even done that so it's crazy to think how far they've come um and obviously coolly like he's just an awesome guy like he i remember my sister was in the lobby of the weston and she took her kids to a pc game and they stayed overnight and coolly must have stayed over with the team the night night after the game and you know he just saw my nephews looking at him they were little probably like you know six and eight at the time he came right over to him and introduced himself told him it was great they're reading books and you know he's just like i don't know he's he's the best guy and i i just 
I don't know. My, my only concern is I just feel like we ask a lot of them. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but there are times where I'm like, God, this guy's asked to do everything here. hundred percent. You know, growing up in Rhode Island, we only have so many people. And when you're, <laughs> I call it the term being Rhode Island famous. It's like Ed Cooley is Rhode Island famous. Like he can't go out to dinner and be left alone. Uh, he can't probably even go to the post office or stop a shop and be left alone. Like probably people come up to him all the time, ask for autographs, you know, ask for pictures, ask this and that. And he's always asked for media requests. It seems like he never turns them down. You know, he, he's always, you know, he's always accessible. And I know it's cause in his heart that he, he wants to be, but like you said, I, I, I do agree. It's like the guy, he does everything. It's like, you know, what else could we possibly, you know, ask more of him to do? Um, you know, he's a, he's a role model for kids growing up in Providence, hard work, dedication, and, you know, following your dreams can, can lead to. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a father and, and he's just a, you know, he, he's just a, a, he's a Rhode Islander. He's a native Rhode Islander. He's a guy who is just immersed in the culture in which made him, which is sometimes that could be weighing on you mentally, uh, in itself without actually adding anything on top. So absolutely. No, I, 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 t- I totally agree with you there. And I remember those old Big East teams. Like I remember turning them on and we'd be like either the 13, 14, 15, or even 16, like out of 16. And it was like us, Rutgers, DePaul, and Seton Hall every year at the bottom of the table. And it would just, it would kind of be deflating. It kind of be deflating. It's like, you know, what do we have to look forward to this year? So I, I certainly recognize, you know, what Ed's brought to brought in that, in that regard. I feel like, too, the one thing we forget about now because he's been here for so long is, like, in every game you feel like they have a fighting chance. No matter who they play, you're like, we're probably the underdog here, but you're not shocked if they knock off Villanova or whoever might be in the top 10 that year. And um, I know they had some struggles against some of the, you know, power conference teams and non-conference the last couple of years. But that was the one thing. I used to go go into games. I, I really felt like none of the fans, but, like, sometimes the team didn't feel like they had a shot to beat, you know, whoever was the upper echelon of the Big East at the time. And now it really feels like every game they've got a shot. And I feel the expectations are so different, even not just from the fans, but the players as well. I feel like they expect to be in the tournament. And like the one year they missed it a couple of years ago, it was like, what the hell happened? Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, the like Curb Hill senior year, it was like, oh, they made a pretty good run. They won 19 games and they were almost on the cusp there. It's just the expectation is so different. And that's the thing that I like so much. And I, I have to remind myself too, because you, you always want to build and you want more and more. Like now it's like, okay, it's great. We had the tournament, but we've got to win a couple of games here to get some momentum. And I, I need to step back sometimes and be like, the fact that we're even in this conversation every year to make the tournament and our expectation now is like, all right, when are we going to make the second weekend? Like that's a huge step forward. Um, but that being said, I, I think PC fans have been pretty patient. Like I mentioned, I stepped foot on campus for the first time in 1997. I've seen one NCAA tournament win since then. You know, like I'm 42 yeah. years old. You know, so I think it kind of cuts both ways. I think we have to appreciate what Cooley's done, but also, you know, there is a next step we can take. And I don't love when people are like, oh, PC should be happy to just make the tournament. Because I think, you know, that's a long time to have not made the second weekend. So I, I think at some point um, they've got to get there in the next, you know, two or three years. Yeah, obviously running into North Carolina twice and uh, the very long arms of uh, Celtic of now Celtic great Rob Williams uh, didn't didn't help us in terms of getting there. But <laughs> a, absolutely, we're, we're we're dying to get there and kind of make our 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 run forward and it, it, transitioning back to the team this year. You know, we talk about the slow starts. Like slow starts have kind of been a thing for our team where you know we we just can't go can't get going offensively to start. Whether it's the flex or not, it's debatable. It doesn't really matter to me personally. What do you think are going to be some keys for this team as we, again, go through this very uncertain rest of the season 
and, and and try and get some good seeding going into the tournament, you know, as we were projected in the in the preseason Big East poll. So are you referencing a slow start, like offensively in each game or like slow starts to the seasons as far as? I would say bo- even both. It's like like slow starts to seasons and slow start off offensively. I would say I would say more on the offensive point where it's like, you know, especially in Big East play, like there'll be times where we'll just kind of fall down. You know, we'll, we'll fall down early to some good opponents and then we'll have to claw our way back. Yeah. And that's been the one that's the only complaint I really have about the cooler teams like I, his style works like he be, and he admits like we want to make the game ugly but there are times i feel like they came back against creighton last year at home but i feel like with the way their offense has been like they're a great one it's like this grinded out game or they've a lead you've got to come back but there are times if they go down you know 12 14 15 points i'm like oh god i don't think we can string together enough offense i think this year they're better offensively. I think they've got more of a shot. And it especially like with a guy like Duke. And that's where Cooley seems to have been their best when they have kind of a bail you out option. Like even as good as Chris Dunn was, he wasn't like the guy you just hand the ball to and say make a play. Like Cotton was, Cartwright was at the very end. But um I think that's where Duke's gonna really help them. Um but yeah, so as far as like where I see them going, it's hard. I, I feel like this year is going to be it's so disjointed, but I actually think they've got some pretty good pieces, and I think they'll figure the defense out. And when you've got Watson and Duke, like those are two really good scorers that can really match, you know, most teams in the country. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm still bullish on them. You know, there are times, don't get me wrong, where in game I'm frustrated, I'm like, oh my god, they can't throw the ball in the bath in the ocean. But, uh, you know, I, I think when I step back, I'm like, I think they've got some pretty good options. And I think if you could ever get AJ going, um, like I think you can, then I think they could be pretty dangerous. What are you, what are some predictions you think about, you know, waves we finish out the season? Like, let's say everything goes as according to plan wins that, you know, how many big East wins we have, how we trend going into the big East tournament. If we have one and then the NCAA tournament, what, what do you think if you could predict in a very uncertain yeah. sort of circumstance or level playing field here, what, how far do you think we go? And what do you that we accomplish i mean i think it's all as much as everyone focuses on their offensive you know slumps and things like that i think it's going to be all their defense and kind of find that identity again um because the thing is i look at all these advanced analytics and a big reason why their defense is so good last year two reasons why duke was obviously good but if you look at like alpha diallo as as frustrating as he could be on offense mm-hmm. he was rated in like the top like you know 95th percentile or 97th as a defender and Khalif was really high too so when you lose guys who can kind of lock down any wing and Khalif was really in the pick and roll and he was really hard to score on when you're, you know, a back to the basket scorer, those are two big losses, you know, and I think if they can figure the defensive side out, which, you know, I know I said earlier, they probably will, but to the extent that they do, you know, if they end up being like a top three defense in the Big East and they can be really good. Um, but I don't know. I, I think they have, like, it's been, the defense has been so bad right now that I'm like, you know, it just like, especially against DePaul, I just thought it was, leaking big time mm-hmm. um and i i know they'll 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 figure some of those things out but to the extent that will they build lock teams down you know i think that's when cool teams are really good when they can string together stops and and that's where their offense is good and maybe you talk about the tcu game that's they were, they were stopping teams and getting out and running and they look like a completely different team so i think if they can turn into a really good defensive team and turn that into offense then they're going to be pretty good but you know, until we see it, I really don't know how they're going to look uh, in March. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much uncertainty, obviously, with the news with Jay Wright recently, you yeah. know, and, and, and Villanova. We've had 
DePaul has played a total of only a couple games so far. You know, UConn and Seton Hall had their struggles early. So it's certainly been a different season. We're just lucky to have Friar basketball in, in, in some capacity, you know, because obviously it'd be awful if we didn't. And kind of segueing into some closing remarks for Friar fans here, Kevin, like would love to know some things that you guys are working on and, you know, things that you want to, uh, you know, keep us abreast on as we go through the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, so this year, like I said, I, I sent out a message probably in, I don't know, late October. For us, it's a big transition year. I felt like, um, so Craig Bellhumor has kind of moved on um, from the site. He moved on a couple of years ago, but we still have, you know, Kyle, whoever knows from Fire TV, who does a great job with the video, providing a lot of that there. I think that's added a lot of Craig's. Layton's been really kind of keeping things together while I've been a little bit busier this year. So, um, you know, for me, as I said, I wrote a, 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 um, an article in October. For me, it's just going to be a year where I'm going to have to step back and have like, peaks and valleys but i think next year i'll be able to ramp it up more but like i said we really try and assess every year what it's going to look like so i think this year is just kind of more kind of like everyone just kind of surviving this year with covid and being professional i just haven't had as much time to dedicate to it but i will going forward and um yeah i'm going to write for kevin mcnamara trying to get an article out for kevin every week and we'll still have all the highlights out there so still trying to keep it afloat this year while life is a little bit busier for me absolutely no things change we we appreciate all the the years of great content that you've provided. And like I said, for me, going to PC in 2010, like, I don't know if my experience going to PC would have been the same without firebasketball.com in terms of getting my content, you know, for, for, for something that I love. And like, I'm a local kid, like I'm a kid who grew up on this team and, and knows a lot about the team, but it was just, it just made such a seamless transition into my life of something that I trusted right away. And I, and I just used at my disposal to, you know, kind of have the right facts and kind of keep me engaged even I was even as I was transitioning going to school. So I, I certainly appreciate everything that you guys have done yourself and, you know, creating a platform that was at the time it, it, it was it was ahead of its time. So huge shout out to you guys. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, however you guys, you know, plan things in the future and, you know, and you pivot and, and you know, you kind of, you know, work on different things to, you know, kind of keep going with this different PC media landscape. And works. we were just excited to have you and our best of your family. And we're just, we're, we're excited to see what the rest of the season has for our Friars. Thanks, Billy. And like I said before, you're doing, and I'm not just saying, I wouldn't just say this because I'm a guest, you're doing a really awesome job. And you, like I said, I, I think you're really filling a void that's been there for a while. And to be honest, doing something that I kind of want to do podcast wise, but I, I don't really have the podcast host, hosting chops. So I'm glad that you're doing it. And forever, I was like, I want someone who just kind of tells the story of all these players and announcers. And I love the one with Steve Knapp. Like he's, you know, I've gotten to know Steve. He was a, I think a senior when I was a freshman at PC and he's a great guy. So just, I don't know. I'm so happy that there's someone kind of allowing people to tell their stories and you're doing a really great job with it. So, so keep it up. Appreciate it. My dad said, you know, growing up that I talked too much at the dinner table and now it's benefiting me here on the Friar podcast. Um, <laughs> there you go. But no, Kevin, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Everybody check out friarbasketball.com. It's, it's, it's been my place to, you know, get Friar news, content, recruiting, video analysis. Shout out to Kyle for everything he does with Friar TV as well. Um, a great resource. I mean, shout out to Mike Hopkins, PCBB 1917, Kevin McNamara, all these great people in the Friar community. You guys are truly what make it as great as it is. And remember to follow us here on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram at the Friar Podcast, and we will see you for the next episode. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, well, I appreciate it. Would like to thank everyone for listening to episode five of the Friar Podcast, and of course, a thank you to our special guest, founder and creator of FriarBasketball.com, Kevin Farahar. 
We're back next week with an undisclosed, very special guest you won't want to miss, so we will be checking back in with all of you next week. And as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Friar Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars on Apple Podcast as well as SoundCloud if you enjoy our content. And as always, go Friars. <laughs>